Blog Talk Radio. Everybody, welcome to another episode of the Good Life Podcast with Mike Safosnik. Finally warming up here in New York City, melting that horrendous snow. Um, my show can finally be found on iTunes by searching Mike Safo, S-A-F-O, or whoever the guest is. Today, the third show of 2016. The first one was with Lee Abamante, the most traveled man in the world. Second was with WWE, WWF Hall of Fame wrestler, Jake the Snake Roberts. No show last week because I ventured down to Columbia to get out of the cold. Uh, upcoming shows the next couple of weeks will be with Michael K. Williams, also known as Omar from The Wire, Chalky White from Boardwalk Empire, former Yankee second baseman Chuck Knobloch, and you know i got to throw an author in there, Diane Fanning, who wrote the definitive book on the Casey Anthony story. I'll be down in Lexington for the Super Bowl weekend, so I'll probably have a guest on or two from there, probably Derek Anderson, probably Cameron Mills, obviously. Another football season has come and gone, and now it's that, you know, that long two-week lull to the Super Bowl. It's fun to have on a Super Bowl champion, but before I introduce tonight's guest, there's like a couple things I want to say about him. Before I knew how to host a podcast, before my show was on iTunes, before I had any type of audience or a sponsor offer or anything, Mr. Christopher Canty came on my show whenever I asked. He answered every question. We had a great time. And he's a big reason why initially I had my first like bump of subscribers and listeners. He made a comment about, I think it was the Flategate. And then he was all over ESPN Radio, Boomer and Carton here in WFAN. And then he came on my show, I think the next night. And a lot of people like just turned in to listen to it. So from allowing me in his house, going out to the clubs with him and his friends, to coming over and giving me a pound at the Giants Hotel right before he boarded the bus to play in the Super Bowl, in front of like 500 Giant fans. And then after beating the undefeated Patriots, he got me into the after party where I celebrated with the entire Giants team. And allegedly, I lost a whole bag of memorabilia from all my friends and stuff. But I guess you can say I'm pretty lucky to have him on again. Welcome to the show, 11-year veteran of the NFL, former Cowboy and Giant, current member of the Baltimore Ravens, number 99, Chris Canty. What's going on, Chris? Nothing much, man. What's happening with you? Not too much. Just hanging out. Thank you for coming on tonight. Hey, man. Thanks for having me. But if we were really such good friends, man, why didn't you invite me down to Columbia to get out of the cold? <laughs> I thought we were supposed to be boys. <laughs> that's, a, that's, that's a bad job. I mean, you know, it, it was a last-minute thing. We saw the weather coming in. We just got back from Thailand. We needed to go away, so we went down to Columbia. It was, a, it was pretty interesting. <laughs> next, next time I come, you're coming, I promise you. All right, all right. I'll hold you to that, man. I promise. So now let's talk some football. So your team, when you're with the Giants, you guys win the conference championship game. You're on cloud nine, but now you've got to wait two weeks to the Super Bowl. Is that deflating, or do you or the players, do you like the, that two weeks off? Well, you know, the, the one thing about being on the Giants, uh, we, had a, we had a team that was full of veteran players that had already played in Super Bowls before, so we kind of knew how to approach the two-week uh, two period. And one of the big takeaways that I had from the whole experience is that 
if you if you're gonna prepare for a Super Bowl, you want to do the heavy lifting as far as your game planning and your install stuff while you're at home in your familiar surroundings and your facility. Um, you want to make sure you get your the majority of your game plan put in. So when you go to the Super Bowl site, the things that you're, you're working on, you're just working on special situation types of things. Um, you know, you're working on your four-minute offense or your two-minute defense, red zone, goal line, that type of stuff, cleaning that stuff up and just really going over the game plan um, in its entirety. But you want to familiarize yourself with your opponent and do your heavy lifting as far as the game plan install before you get to the Super Bowl site. Now, let's talk a little bit about Super Bowl 50. On one hand, we have this sentimental favorite, the old guy, Peyton Manning. And on the other side, we have the new generation, soon to be MVP. And I don't know why the media is portraying him as, I guess they need a bad guy in this, Cam Newton. How do you see that whole good guy, bad guy? Do you see it the same way that we see it? Like they're trying to portray Cameron as something he's not? Well, you know, here's the thing. I I, got to applaud Cam Newton for coming out and and saying uh, what was on his heart and saying, uh, you know, talking about his experience as being a black quarterback in the National Football League and how he's perceived as a player. You know, certainly nobody, you know, there's nothing that anybody can point to to say that he has been negative, so to speak. He doesn't get into trouble off the field. He represents himself in that community very well. Um, the things that he does in the community uh, as far as working with children, um, how he how he handles his teammates in that locker room, um, all of this stuff is, is overwhelmingly positive. Uh, yet we find something to, to criticize him about, and it's really unfortunate. Uh, and I'm not sure that it's a it's necessarily a racial thing, although he did allude to race being an issue. I think, in my opinion, it's it's also a bit of placism. Um, you know, people want to put Cam Newton in a box that he doesn't necessarily fit in. And I think because of that, um, you know, some people, not all, but some, have an issue with it. You know, and it's really unfortunate. Now, were you surprised the way the Broncos' defense just basically harassed and basically assaulted Brady? Were you impressed how they just got to him and – I haven't seen Brady really smacked around like that since you guys played him in the Super Bowl. Was that surprising? It, it, it was. It was. And I was surprised that the Broncos were able to have that degree of success in that game uh, as, a, as a whole offense, defense, and special teams. Uh, when I was on ESPN radio earlier that week with uh, Han and Humpty on 98.7, um, you know, I, I didn't really see the Broncos having a chance. But I said that if they did, uh, they would have to take the approach that we took in the Super Bowls against the Patriots, which is disrupt Tom Brady. Uh, and you can see the effort that the defensive front was putting forth as far as getting after Tom Brady. They realized that the game was really on their shoulders. In order for that team to have, have a chance, they had to disrupt Brady at the level that they did uh, in order to get the result that they wanted. And ultimately, it ended up being enough for Marcus Ware, Von Miller, Derek Wolf, uh, you know, Antonio Smith, Willie Jackson and company, all of those guys took it upon themselves to really get after to really get after Tom Brady. And I can't, I can't say enough about the masterful game-planning job that Wade Phillips did. You know, he doesn't get a lot of credit for what he did. Um, he broke a lot of tendencies earlier in that game, utilizing a lot of zone coverage, more four-man rushes. Uh, and then he was able to play the chess match with Tom Brady and Bill Belichick, adjusting at halftime, counter-punching with more man pressures, um, and mixing in a little bit of three-man rush in that second half. I was very impressed with what Wade Phillips was able to do. Now, that's just awesome insight. I don't see personally how they're going to possibly do that to Cam Newton. Does Denver have a legit shot? And not just being political, oh, anyone has a shot. Does Denver have a shot in this game? Well, here's the thing. You can't dismiss the Denver Broncos. They're the AFC champion. 
and for good reason. It's a good football team, and and they're they're doing it a different way than what we saw them do. Uh, and I believe it was Super Bowl forty eight, where they were where they were more so an offensive minded team. This year, they're defensive minded. You know, they're 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 a team that 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 really lives off of their defense and their special teams. And, and Peyton Manning, you know, although he doesn't have the athleticism and the arm strength that he once did. He has a wealth of knowledge at the quarterback position, and he's able to play great situational football. We saw that in the game against the Broncos when he was able to go into the red zone and come away with two touchdowns as a scores, which were huge in that football game. You know, rather than getting field goals, they were able to convert those into touchdowns to Owen Daniels. So that was a big deal for them. And so if, if Peyton Manning can continue to play great situational football to complement that lights-out defense, I think they have more than a chance in this football game. That's interesting. Now, I don't think they do, but do the players take any stock? Like the point spread moved from three and a half up to six, six and a half. Do the players take any stock in that or what the quote unquote, it's two weeks now of just media hype. Do they listen to anything but the point spread or what these quote unquote experts say on ESPN about who's going to win and why they're going to win? Do they even pay attention? Well, I don't think guys pay attention to the point spread, but I'm sure they're paying attention to what everybody's saying. I'm sure the Denver Broncos paying attention to what people were saying before the AFC Championship game. So being in this position is nothing new for them. Um, I think they'll embrace that challenge, knowing DeMarcus Ware and, 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 and the kind of man that he is. And he'll rally the troops. He'll get those guys going, Von Miller and company. They'll, they'll be, they'll be uh, foaming at the mouth come Super Bowl 50 when it kicks off in Santa Clara. Um, you know, it's going to be a great, great game. I think it's going to be a hard-fought game. Uh, I don't think it's going to be as lopsided as people think it is. Um, uh, it's, it's, going to be, it's going to be a very entertaining football game, so I think we're in for a treat. All right, I'll put you on the spot a little bit. Your prediction, who wins it? Don't worry about the point spread. It's not going to affect my gambling, but who's going to win the Super Bowl? Man, uh, that, that's a tough one. My heart says Carolina, but my head says Denver. Uh, really? Yeah, I know players on. I know players on both teams, and, and I'm a defensive guy. And so, although Carolina has a great defense, I'm going to go with the number one defense in the NFL right now. Now, that's subject to change. Now, we've got a week. We've still got a little over a week before the game kicks off, so it's subject to change. Uh, but right now, I'm leaning Denver. Now, before we talk about the past season for you, I just want – because I actually brag about this a lot, your charity, the Chris Canty Foundation, because I always go up to the camp at George Washington – high school, I see how much you truly care about the kids. And it's not the autographs or the pictures. You really want these kids to be healthier and better people. What's your driving force behind that? And, like, you totally embrace the role model mantra of you. And why is that? What drives you to be such a role model for all these kids? Well, I've been blessed with with an awesome platform to be able to influence young minds. And I try to take advantage of it. I look at it as a responsibility um, to whom much is given, much is required. And so I try to take advantage of it and pour something positive into the kids uh, and hopefully make our community better uh, and hopefully that makes our, our city better. And, and that's that's the approach that I take. You know, a lot of people sit around and, and complain about the way things are and complain about different things. And, and and I don't think that it's really right for people to complain if they're not being a part of the solution. So, um, you know, get involved with your community. I always, I always encourage people to say, uh, I always encourage people to get involved, you know, one way or the other, whether it's donating your time, donating resources, donating a particular skill set that you can use to help somebody. Give something back to someone else. Do something positive to make your community better. Now, I want to talk a little bit about this season because on paper, the Ravens finished up 5-11, extremely disappointing. But out of those 11 losses, nine of them were by single digits. How frustrating was that for you as a team 
not just with the losses, but also the injuries. So everything combined, was this just a difficult season for you? Yeah, it was a difficult season. I mean, we were really, really, really bad. I mean, that's that's the way to put it. Um, you know, and, and injuries is just a convenient excuse. You know, we were we were struggling uh, before we had that rash of injuries there. Uh, even though we lost Sizzle uh, in the opening game, um, outside of that, you know, we we had a we were struggling as a football team. Um, you know, we we had a tough uh, tough schedule to open up with. We, I think we had five of the first seven on the road, and four of those were West Coast trips. So it was really tough. Um, but you know it is what it is. Um, you know we 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 um, you know we had some things that we can build off of as far as positives. We had a lot of young guys play integral roles on our team, so I think that will bode well for the Baltimore Ravens moving forward. Unfortunately, um, in the salary cap era, you can only keep a team together so long, and um, you know it's it's just it's the reality of uh, football these days. And so uh, it, it's frustrating to see that we had. Uh, it's almost like we had a window and we missed the opportunity there. So, very disappointing. How are you recovering personally? I know you missed the last few games. How are you recovering? I'm good. I'm good. I'm finally getting out of a sling. I was in a sling for uh, the better part of two months recovering from pectoral surgery. Uh, They had to repair the tendon and the muscles. And so, uh, finally feeling back to myself. I'm getting ready to start moving around a little bit now rather than being on house arrest. So, that's always (laughs) a positive but um, you know everything is good, man. Just uh, looking forward to uh, looking forward to the future and looking forward to continuing my playing career. I'm talking to Chris Canty. I have a few more questions for him now. When you're on the sideline, it's such a cliche question, but I'm always curious. You're injured. What do you miss the most about watching that team out there? You're injured, knowing you can't help at all. What's what goes through your head watching those games now? Well, the most frustrating thing is just seeing the opponents and, 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 and thinking of what you would do in that particular situation, how you would take advantage of this or that. And, uh, and things are a lot easier in the side, on the sideline versus when they're <laughs> in the middle of it and there are a lot of bullets going on. But, you know, it's like when you're on the sideline and you're at home watching it on TV, you can see everything. And so it's just uh, it's a little frustrating um, because you, you, you certainly you put a lot into preparing for the season, especially at my age. You put so much into getting your body ready to play football, and then you you have injuries and you don't have the opportunity to play. It's just really really frustrating. So, um, you know, it's a part of the game, and we all recognize that it sucks. Um, but but certainly um, it gives you more motivation, more fuel for the fire to uh, to get back up and, and go at it again. Now, I'm not sure if you knew this, but I've never I didn't play college football, and I never played in the NFL. I'm not sure if you knew that, but I didn't know that. I didn't know no, that. No. I didn't know that, man. I mean, I saw you at the football camp, and I just you know the moves that you were showing the kids. I was like, man, this guy I'm telling you, he must have been a been a bit of all star in college, man, all American out there. But, uh, no, I didn't know that. Okay, well, I'm letting you know. Now, you played now 11 years plus four years in the competitive ACC high school football. What kind of just wear and tear does that does that do to your body? You see these older players now who just shot. Are, is your body just crushed right now? <laughs> well, you know what? It, 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 it's not. It, I, I would say back in 2013, uh, when the Giants released me, I actually hooked up with uh, a trainer named Dave Palladino out in uh, Colton, New Jersey, where his facility is. And he started training me. And, and really, you know, he, you know, with his workout regimen, it became the fountain of youth. Um, just training five days a week. Our sessions would be about an hour and 15 minutes, but we would literally just get after it and just improve my athleticism, improve my explosiveness, improve my strength. And so uh, from that perspective, that, that really did a great job of just taking a lot of the stress and the pressure off of my joints. Um, so I really felt good. 
you know, going into this season, I was actually leaner and heavier than I'd been, uh, you know, in a number of years. And so, um, you know, I, I had my game in really good shape before the injury, um, so I'm hopeful that I can get back to that position. Uh, but it is a grind. Like I said, the National Football League is a grind, and that's why you have to take care of your body. Um, you have to train train very hard in your off season uh, to make sure that you can try to stay as healthy as possible. And even the fat is no guarantees. Now, this concussion thing, do you think it's a bit overblown? And is there anything truly that can be done to, I guess, I guess combat it? Because everything you hear now is concussion, but you didn't hear about it 10 years ago. I don't know if much has changed. Is it a little overhyped? What do you think about the whole concussion thing that's always everywhere? I, I don't think the concussion issue is overhyped. I think it's, um, it's important that we have the conversation. I think that uh, players in the National Football League really just want the information so they can make the most informed decision about their playing careers. And I think all players at all levels should have that information. I think when we start talking about minimizing concussions and min- minimizing those incidents, I think it's important to teach the fundamentals to the lower levels of sport, you know, peewee football, uh, moving up to middle school football and, and high school football. I think it's important to teach the appropriate techniques, teach kids how to tackle, teach kids how to block, teaching them to keep their head up, their neck bowed. I, I think those are, those are uh, some of the lessons that will, that will go a long ways as far as uh, transforming the game and getting the next generation uh, to play the game as safely as possible. Now let's have some personal questions. We had this conversation last year, and let's see <laughs> let, uh, a few questions. Uh, answer this question for me. Next year, this time, oh, next year, six months from now, Chris Canty will be doing what? Wow, I, I don't know. I don't know. Hopefully playing football, but if not playing football, I'll be talking about football. <laughs> well, that, that was my, that was my It'll be question. one or the other. You love the radio and the TV thing, and yeah. obviously you're getting better and better at it since you've been doing it for a while yeah. now. Is that definitely the next platform you want to go into? Yeah, that's, that's definitely the next platform that I, that I want to go into. Uh, certainly, I always want to stay close to the game. So um, there'll be, you know, an opportunity, whether it be locally um, to or, or, you know, wherever, where I have an opportunity to go um, and coach the game a little bit um, in my downtime. Uh, I never want to get too far away from football. Um, and so if I have an opportunity to work with some guys, I will definitely take advantage of that opportunity uh, just because, like you said, I've – been in the National Football League 11 years as a starter, uh, played four years at the University of Virginia. It's a wealth of knowledge, and so I feel like it's my responsibility to be able to pass that on to the next generation of um, of elite football players. What does 33-year-old, soon-to-be 34-year-old Chris Canty say to 16-year-old Chris Canty? <laughs> oh, take your time and let things happen. You know, take your time and let things happen um, and, and really enjoy the moment that you're in. Uh, so it's such a, uh, you know, when you're young, you just want to be in a hurry to get everywhere, right? You want to be in a hurry to get to college. You want to be in a hurry to get on the field. You want to be in a hurry to be a star in the NFL. Um, I really would go back and tell a younger version of myself, just take your time and enjoy the experience. Um, I had a high school basketball coach um, tell me that, um, you know, life is a journey, not a destination. Don't be in a hurry to get anywhere. Just enjoy every part of it. Uh, and certainly – uh, I would go back and try to reiterate those sentiments. You and I go out. I always ask this question to every guest. Who's the coolest person in your phone that's going to text you back? We can always text people. Who's You and I are out. You want to impress people. You take out your phone. Who can you text <laughs> that's going to text you right back? Who's the coolest cat in your phone right now, Chris? <laughs> 
Man, who 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 is the coolest cat in my phone that would text me back? Um, I would have to say Tiz. It, it would have to be Terrell Suggs. I mean, I could I could go out <laughs> anywhere around the world. It doesn't matter what time it is. If I text him, you know, he, chances are he's gonna be up and he's gonna text me back. <laughs> All right, a couple more minutes with you now. Any member? I know you're not retiring, but any memorabilia that you've kept or that you're going to keep that means a lot to you. Uh, my helmets, my helmets, that's kind of like, um, you know, it's just kind of like the badge of honor type of deal, you know, especially the ones that have all the, the, the scrapes and, and, and different colors from trading paint with offensive linemen and you know, all those guys. The helmets is definitely something that I, that I like to keep. And I've got the cool grill with the visor. So yeah. <laughs> uh, it looks really, it looks, it looks really dope on my man. <laughs> right now, you're a fan, one player. Only one in the NFL that you would pay to watch. Oh man, Cam Newton. Cam Newton. He's he's worth the price of admission. Um, just what he's been able to do um, as a quarterback. What he's been able to do as a as a running back. Essentially, when uh, when he's get got those design quarterback run plays. I mean, he's just a dynamic football player um, that that's growing in his own right. Um, tremendous leadership skills, um, just just his ability to elevate everybody's play around him. Um, it's just a real treat to watch, and I think fans are in for something that's really really special, something that we haven't seen before. Um, so the next next four or five years are going are going to be really special uh, watching number one um, in the Carolina Panthers uniform. One player that you played with that you're going to be telling your kids that you played with. Demarcus Ware. Um, the freak athlete. Um, you know, I knew he was going to be special when we got <laughs> when we came for our rookie mini camp in Dallas. Um, you know, we had to run four yard dashes, and uh, this is on the grass and cleats now. And uh, <laughs> when Demarcus ran his forty, he ran a four four forty on grass <laughs> and cleats on. <laughs> at two hundred and fifty five pounds. It was it was unreal. It was unbelievable. I. You know, we we all looked at each other like there's no way. Uh, and then the crazy thing is that the guy can clean power clean 400 pounds, so he was fast and strong. I was like, it's, it's basically like he's cheating out there. And uh, just to see him continue to do it, uh, continue to play at a high level. He's I think he's number three on the active um, sack leader list with 134 and a half sacks. So just he's had a Hall of Fame career, and he's just continuing to add to the resume. Um, I wish him the best. Uh, I hope he has the ability to add a Super Bowl ring to the resume so he can sign his name Super Bowl 50 champs. One good, two more questions, one good Eli Manning story for all the Giants fans listening. One good Eli Manning story. Um, here's the thing, and, and it caught me off guard, and I, and I don't know what, why it did, but you know, I see Eli, you know, I played against Eli for four years when I was with the Cowboys, and then I, you know, practiced against him every day with the Giants. And he just looks, you know, when he goes to take off the run, he just looks like the worst athlete in the world, right? <laughs> but but when we went, <laughs> but when we'd go into the weight room to work out, we'd have to jump rope. And the guy jumps rope like he's a professional boxer. I mean, it's it's amazing what he what he can do with a jump rope. It's like this guy is like he's, he's on rhythm, he's on time, he makes it look easy. I'm like, how could a guy jump rope so well be such a terrible runner on the football field? I just couldn't, I couldn't figure that out. I couldn't reconcile it in my head. It's like the guy is, is the best jump roper I've ever seen, and yet he looks it, it looks like it's painful when he's running. 
Like it's just it's unbelievable. So that's my uh, that's my one good Eli Manning story. What is Chris Canty's Super Bowl plans? Oh man, I'm not sure. Probably figure out some place to sit down and watch the game with the fellas and um, just enjoy it, man. Because it's going to be a treat. I think it's really going to be a special Super Bowl. I'm looking forward to it. I think it's a great matchup. I think it's going to be a hard fought game. So I'm excited All for it. Right. And we're going to end with this. Finally, this year when Kentucky wins the championship, will you finally stop wearing the UVA stuff and for one day put on Kentucky gear? No way. No way. I, and, and here's the thing. I, 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 you know, Big Blue is, is all right with me. You know, every time I go out to the Kentucky Derby every year and every time the folks in Kentucky, the folks in Louisville, um, really roll out the red carpet with the hospitality. Um, so I'm all right with Big Blue Nation is okay with me, but – uh, under no circumstances am I change, I'm changing out my, my orange and blue sweatshirt for a Kentucky sweatshirt. Can't do it. Well, listen, Chris, real quick before you go, I'm going this year to the Derby, and I became friends with a few of the retired players, so I'll be on Millionaire's Row with you with my uh, nice suit, so we'll meet up. Yeah, you got to have Sears Sucker now. You know that's how they do it out there. So you got to have your Sears Sucker suit ready to go. Always, and I'm going to uh, Argentina, Iceland, and Colombia, so I'll give you the dates, and maybe you can tag along, all right? <laughs> All right, Iceland sounds cool, but we're gonna have to wait till it warms up a little bit. But I'm, but I'm with you on that one. I've heard, brother, I've heard good things. Oh, it's incredible! Listen, thank you so much for coming on again, and always help me out. And I'll talk to you very soon, right, my friend? All right, thanks for having me, boss. Chris, I'll talk to you later, man. Chris Canty, like I said before, before I ever knew, I didn't even have a microphone when I first did this. I, I had, a, I called the phone and I stood next to the speaker the first couple of shows and. He came on anytime I asked, and he was never held back with a question. And even the Deflategate stuff, he was not controversial, but he said what was on his mind. And it was, it was awesome because he was on ESPN Radio, and then after that, all over WFAN. And I'm like, oh, let me throw I throw him a text. I said, yeah, come on. And at that point, his name was like trending on Twitter, and he came right on. And that was one of the, the coolest things because on the bottom, you see how many people listen and how many people clicked it. And just because... He retweeted it, and everybody was following him. It, uh, it was actually really, really cool for what he does. And the Super Bowl party, I talk about it all the time. They, we went to the Super Bowl, and right before the Giants are boarding the bus, we, we're in the Giants Hotel. I think they stayed at the, the Marriott in Indianapolis. And he walks over and sees us. It was more like his boys and his family. But he walks over, gives all of us a hug, and people are just staring at us. Like, he was the only player to come off the... The line with Eli and Brandon Jacobs and JPP and OC. And he walked over and gave us all a pound. And they win the Super Bowl. And you hand, they, he just won the Super Bowl. And he hands all of us wristbands. And we got to go to the after party. And that story's been told many times when <laughs> a bunch of his friends, some of his family, they all, you know, we all kept memorabilia from the game the cups, the ticket stuff, who took confetti and dirt and people's sunglasses. <laughs> and I'm like, I got this. Put this in my huge bag with my OCD. I'm never leaving this bag. I left the bag. None of this stuff has ever been found. People left sneakers in there. And I remember the next day, <laughs> I had to call up. I'm like, hey, I was at the party last night. And I um, I left the bag with like a thousand items in it. But anyway, always thank you for Chris Canty coming on the show. I'm going to have on Diane Fanning, the author of the Casey Anthony book. Mommy's Little Girl, 
She'll be coming on Monday morning, and I'll tweet it out. And like again, you can find my show on iTunes by searching Mike Sappho or any guest I have. Anyone, thank you for listening.